an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome again to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. And in today's episode, we are joined by two special guests. One is my co-host of Ultimate Global Podcast, George Mavros. And another is another very, very special guest. And why I call him a special guest? Because I remember meeting him more than two years back at UNSW. Um, and my first experience of meeting with him was he is somebody who is very different than others. Why I, why I thought of saying that is because this person has got a very unique way of thinking. This person has got a different way of looking into the same things, which I don't see many people having these days. His name is Shayan. He's the head of global partnerships and investments at TeamUp. Um, and as just for a brief introduction of TeamUp, TeamUp is an innovation hub focused on young innovators and seed investors in Pakistan. And Shayan has graduated with a Master's of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, um, Master of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Business Strategy. He also appeared on the prestigious Dean's List for UNSW Business School in 2021 with a grade of 3.9514. I specifically mentioned that because this is not something which is achieved by everyone. Very few students do that. So that kind of also uh, validates is intelligence. Of course, I don't consider grade as the only parameter to validate your intelligence. But one of the parameters is, of course, the grade. The second parameter is how well you can present yourself practically in life. And I know him both academically and also personally, so I can validate. And I'm sure that he's going to validate it with his arguments now in this podcast. One of the best things about Shayan, um, and I say it quite openly to everyone, uh, we are from different countries. Uh, we are from countries who have always been uh, having very different views in terms of um, nationalism, in terms of religion. And we have had a discussion on this as well, uh, both Shayan and I, uh, and both of us don't believe in nationalism and religion. So I think that's a good thing that we are on the same page when it comes to nationalism and religion. Um, but the good thing about Shayan is that he's a person with positive attitude, He's a person always willing to learn new things and a highly motivated individual to create that impact in his surroundings. But in today's topic, today's podcast, we are talking about this interesting book by Atomic Habits um, of Atomic Habits by James Clear and how atomic habits, how small routines can change your daily life uh, and they can create an impact on your uh, life, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. So starting with you, Shayan, on this topic of how will you define atomic habits and how does one build atomic habits? So thank you, um, Sora, for such a long and quite honestly an embarrassingly kind By introduction. By the way, I have yeah. never had such a long introduction. Uh, you can ask George as well. I think this is the longest introduction I've had. Yeah, thank you for that. You're very kind. Um, if I'm half the things that you have said, I'll, I'll be very happy with myself. But yeah, I think um, Atomic Habits. <laughs> atomic Habits is, uh, when I read this book, it was quite honestly transformational. And I know it's, uh, it's very easy to say these things about different books. 
Um, and I hear a lot of people saying uh, this was a transformational experience or this was a transformational book. But I say this very responsibly because quite honestly, this transformed me into a person that I am today in my professional capacity and my personal capacity. So for example, I, I was a person who used to linger on till 3 a.m. in the night and then would wake up at 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Um, generally. And, and then half the day was gone and I would still be feeling very sluggish and, and lazy. And I'd be low in energy, uh, wouldn't follow through on um, different tasks that I had taken up. I wouldn't mind um, giving myself time to recover, to reflect on the days. Um, so yeah, this was me before reading this book. But then I got to... Uh, realize why these things are happening and how I can take control of the situation and how I can change them by reading this book. So yeah, there was a realization um, somewhat on before reading this book as well, but I did not know where to put my finger in terms of exactly knowing what my habits are and where the fault can lie and how I can probably transform them. So I think uh, the biggest takeaway from this book was the 1% change that you can have on a daily basis. And at the end of the year, if you are improving yourself just by 1%, um, you will be 37 times better, more than 37 times better from where you started uh, in that year. And that's quite a huge change. You don't realize it uh, when you're at the starting point and you don't realize it when this is happening to you in your daily life because it's something that you're surrounded with and you're too inside it to notice the differences but as an outsider when you stand from a different perspective and see where i started um then you see that you have come a very long way and this is what i have noticed about myself yeah absolutely and one of the interesting things i liked about this book and i would point it out to george is it talks about something called as the valley of disappointment and which is at the beginning of while you're trying to change yourself and while you're trying to build an atomic habit. So it says that at the beginning, when you're trying to change yourself, you might take a lot of action, but it might not give you much of a result. And that's where most of the people fail. They think that we are taking actions, but it's not giving us any result. But James Clear clearly talks about this fact that at this time, patience is required. And you need to wait till the time you can reach a breakthrough point, which then helps you to see the impact that you can see with your atomic habits. I know, George, that you have been doing these mentorship sessions with students where you have been teaching very similar things. So what would you be saying in this regard of atomic habits? Well, first off, I think that too many people want to break a habit that they've had for 20 years by working hard at it for 20 minutes. There's something wrong with that calculation. So many people say, oh, I've got to stop doing this and all of that, and I'll try this for a week or a month, three months, and, and nothing's happened. Well, how long were you doing the other thing? Because... The longer you've been doing something, the harder it is to get out of that habit. You can read any number of courses and listen to the gurus and all of that, and they say, oh, seven days, 
you can change any habit. 14 days, you can change any habit. 30 days, you can change any habit. I do a lot of work with people that have, have suffered from drug, alcohol, um, all sorts of gambling addictions. I can tell you there are people that suffer from those addictions. They're working on it for 30 years to make sure they don't go back. So if you want to give up too early, you just need to think about how long was I doing the other thing and how long have I given this a chance? So there are certain things that certainly within seven days or 14 days or 21 days or 30 days or whatever it is, yes, I agree, we can change habits. The first thing that happens whatever you're going to do. And this is why, I, I, as you know, Sarab, I have many funny sayings, but they're, they're, they're about serious business. If you want to move your hands, if you want to move your feet, if you want to change your situation, the first thing you have to do is move your mind. If you don't move your mind, if you don't make a conscious change, then no matter what you're attempting to change as a habit, no matter how long you take, it won't happen. So you have to be committed. And that's that's my intro into this topic. Yeah. I think yeah. uh, what, George is, what George is saying is very interesting and I'll take it a bit further with uh, what I got from this book. So George, I truly uh, agree with, with what you have just said about the habits and how um, when we are coming um, on the back of 20 years of building a habit and, and continuing in a certain way, we get stuck with it. Um, and I have just described that I was the same. I was doing the same thing for 20 years. I was uh, wasting my days and probably not even realizing why this is happening. And one of the first things that had that enabled me to um, change this was taking notice of the context that I was living in, the environment around me, and how I can optimize that in order to bring that change. So when you are in a certain environment and it is enabling you in a certain way, you get stuck with the habits that are um, getting the cues from that environment. So for example, if you are surrounded with people who are smoking, you are much more likely to smoke with them. If you're surrounded with people, if you're going to a bar every day, you are much more likely to become alcoholic. Or if you have a bottle lying with you on the bedside, then you are probably ending up drinking uh, at night when you're alone. So these are the cues that you are getting from your environment. And in order to transform your habits, what you have to do is you have to transform your environment. And that is literally taking a look at everything around you, the people, um, different items lying around you, and the way you have organized your uh, bedroom or living room or any other place. And then taking a very deliberate approach as to notice what are di these different items enabling me to do. And if there is a cue from these different items that you do not want to happen, then take that away. So if you don't want to smoke, do not purchase 
a box of cigarettes and put that in your side drawer make it more difficult for you to step outside every time you want to smoke and then you'll probably give up smoking if you want to give up drinking then probably don't buy a bottle of drink and and keep it in your fridge um and and that will make it difficult for you to consume a drink alcohol um so yeah these are some of the things that i picked up from reading this book and and it gave me the realization that probably the first thing that i need to do is transform my environment that will enable me to transform myself and that is what i did i think these are wonderful points shayan um one more interesting element that i found in this book was the thing called habit scorecard now it says that you can build your habit scorecard which will list down all the activities that you are doing on a daily basis now those activities can be very little activities you are getting up in the morning you are setting up your bed you are going to the toilet you are uh, you know having breakfast you are you know traveling to your office you are you know setting up everything in your office so dividing those larger tasks into smaller ones and then trying to figure out what exactly you can do correctly what exactly you can improve and what are the loopholes in that process um i would love to point this out to george and ask him that how does you how do you relate to this thing of habit scorecard in your day to day life I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. As you know, Sarab, you very rarely get the answer to the question you ask me. I give you um, an answer to something else first. So, taking up on what Shyam was saying, my father was an alcoholic, and from the age of seventeen, I made a promise to myself. because i was in sales from from that age and i made a promise to myself that i would never ever celebrate or commiserate a sale with alcohol when i was about i think i would have been about 24 or so i wrote a million dollar order for the company that i was with and we went we went down to the local club to celebrate and they all bought beer or whatever and i had a chocolate milkshake and they all thought i was crazy but i never ever ever have broken that promise to myself so what i have is a commitment and a habit to counter a potential habit the other thing that i do is any week that i have drunk alcohol more than 3 times on the third occasion so if i go out one day that's okay two days that's okay but as it happens this particular week i'm out for the third or fourth time at a party or whatever i will never ever finish my last drink and one of my partners asked me about that and another my wife when we started going out she asked me about that and she said why do you do that and i said because it tells me i can leave it in the bottle so i think i think it's important for people to 
not only want to change habits, but I think it's just as important and probably far more important the earlier you can start to create positive habits. Then there's many of my habits I have no intention of changing. And I, I honestly, when we're, I knew we we're going to be talking about this in this way, I honestly cannot think of a habit that I have that I want to change. Now, I, I'm not trying to hold myself up better than anybody else. Maybe if you'd had this conversation with me 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I might have I might have said there's a habit that I want to change. But in the, I, I cannot think of a habit that I have that I would like to change. But I have spent since the age of 42, um, and if, if anybody doesn't know this name, do yourself a favour and find out about it. I came across a gentleman by the name of Bob Proctor. And when I did Bob Proctor's course and I read Bob Proctor's material, from that day onwards, my life changed dramatically. And so I don't think it's about we always should have to change our habits. What I think it's about is making sure you've got good habits and don't change them. So my scorecard, and I know this probably sounds arrogant to many people listening to this, my scorecard is, I, I don't know how it's scored, because if you said how many do you want to change, I don't. I honestly don't. But I've got good habits in there, I believe. The other point that I was going to make, Shane, you were talking about if you're with drinkers, you're more likely to drink if you're with smokers, etc. I understand the principle of that. But one of the things that I teach people that work with me is the sooner you understand who you are, the sooner everybody will recognise you. And what that means to me is this is who I am, this is what I stand for. And if I'm with drinkers and I choose not to drink, I won't. And if I'm with people that don't drink and I choose to drink, I will, because this is who I am. I am not influenced by my environment. The environment can have an impact on us, no question. We can never, ever, ever control the circumstances we find ourselves in but we're responsible for our reactions to it and if everybody took responsibility for their reactions in any environment then it doesn't matter the environment you'll just accept what you're doing so i sort of agree with you shane but i wanted to make a different point i think one of the things uh, is very important george is the fact of addiction to anything we have addiction to smoking we have addiction to um, alcohol or we can have addiction to you know any bad thing now many people listening to this podcast might be addicted to some of the other things and they will want to know your perspectives Cheyenne and George as to how can they come out of any addiction you know a lot of you have already touched based a bit on that part but maybe we can go a go in detail as to a lot of my friends for example back in india used to smoke a lot and 
the most important thing they used to tell me is that um, the ones who left smoking was previously I used to smoke like 40, 40 a week. Then I got it reduced down to 30 a week. Then it got down to 20 a week. So I think they took those small steps and I could now link it to this book, what this book is trying to tell, that you take those small steps that can make an impact in your long-term life. Isn't it, Shyam? Um, yeah, I agree. And there is another thing. I think um, what George is saying makes a lot of sense because if you are able to have a personality as strong as George has, perhaps, um, where you have your own um, deliberate identity, then it's very easy for you to stay off these things. And I think I can relate with George in, in a couple of things. For example, a lot of my um, friends when I was growing up used to drink and um, do drugs, but I never touched them. Because in my identity, I had ingrained this that, no, I'm not a sort of person who wants to entertain himself by indulging into drinks or by indulging into drugs. Um, and I had a mission that I was on and I was true to that mission. And for me, that mission was something that I had to keep my eye on. And so I stayed off these things. So I think, yes, if you have a very strong identity in yourself, it is easier. But... I also realize that every person is different and every person uh, does not have the same sense of identity. And therefore, sometimes people end up having or developing certain habits that they want to get rid of. And in that case, these things come up that if you want to, for example, take a case of addiction, uh, drug addiction, when you go into rehabilitation, what do they do? They first of all change your entire environment, all the cues that force you or, or kind of motivate you to go towards drugs, they are taken away. Your friends who you do drugs with, they take them away. They, they don't let you indulge with them. Um, the conditions, the money um, that is taken away. And, and then even when you step out of that rehabilitation program, they give you an entire uh, like list of recommendations to do and these include staying off the people or the areas where you used to do drugs and this is for the same reason because again these things contain different cues that are likely to push you towards the old ways so yeah um, I think we are taking up different parts but in, in, in certain areas we also see like eye to eye in terms of what you are asking I think Saurabh what also helps is defining your identity very clearly. Again, you need to be deliberate about this. If you tell yourself that you are a smoker and you want to quit, it is much likelier that you will fail in quitting because you're telling yourself every day that you are a smoker who wants to change yourself and you are going to do that by reducing it like every day by 30, 20, 10, and so on. If you try to transform your identity in yourself and you say, I'm not a smoker, I'm a healthy person who indulges in healthy habits. And this is something that I don't want for myself. This is not something that uh, reflects with my identity. This is not something that is in line with my identity. And therefore, I have to give it up then it becomes easier for you. You're, you're, you will have much more energy 
and much more motivation from inside you to give that up because when you identify yourself as a brand or an identity then anything that falls out of that particular brand is not something that you want with yourself so if i want to be an entrepreneur and i'm sticking with like spending on different things that do not uh, do not translate into my mission do not translate into a business do not translate into an asset i'm not really going with my identity and that is something that will push me that no i don't want to spend here because probably will end up wasting money i want to spend here on building assets or building business or doing this because it is much more relevant to what i want to do so th these these are my thoughts yeah i think these are really great insights I, and you have picked it right from the book which says that there are three layers of behavior change one is outcomes another one is processes another one is identity and the book clearly focuses on this fact that you need to focus and stress more on the identity not on the outcomes and that's clearly what shayan was also pointing out towards now there is another aspect which was referred in the book um, and i really like that fact which was to focus on the systems and the processes and forget about the goals uh, james clear states this fact and i will quote him which says that goals are good for setting direction but systems are best for making progress and therefore you need to build a system of good and atomic habits rather than focusing only on the goals which is which is again pretty interesting because a lot of times you know when we are in the business we are talking about that's what we are focusing uh, to achieve in this quarter that's the target that i'm going to hit in the sales uh, for this particular particular quarter um and sometimes we might forget on the systems that we are trying to build how are we going to achieve that goal what is going to be our weekly goal uh, you know what is going to be the actions that we are going to take in order to achieve that goal so am i going to call 20 more people every day am i going to focus on building a new sales plan that i have not built in before so that's from the sales perspective because i am in sales i'm talking about that but the focus on the system rather than on the goals how do you see that george i recently uh did a presentation to a group of people from uh bni which is a networking group it is the largest and most successful networking group for businesses in the world it is just extraordinary what it generates but one of the things that they do is they have what's known as the traffic lights and um they require you to have a meeting with various people in your chapter <clears throat> is me and that's called a one to one they they expect you to provide referrals for people in your chapter referrals they expect you to uh continue to educate yourself uh in in how to be a better bni member or how to be a better professional in your choice which is ceus and they require you to attend the meeting each week so when you when you do the minimum ceu when you do the minimum one to one when you do the minimum attendance when you do the minimum referrals 
you get points. And at a certain number of points, you are in the green. The next level down is yellow. The next level down is red. And the bottom is grey. So I did a presentation and everybody always talks about, oh, I've got to do the greens. I've got to, everybody's pushing me to do the greens. That's the goal. What I explain to people is forget about getting into the green. Don't worry about getting into the green. Getting into the green is not about getting into the green. Getting into the green is about meeting more people in business that you want to do business with. Turning up each week to communicate with the people you want to do business with. Doing study to get better at your profession or to understand how you can do more business with people. If we do all of these things, we automatically will be in the green. But you've all spent $2,000 to be a member of this chapter. Why would you spend money and not want, if Cheyenne and you and I are in the group together, why wouldn't I want to meet him to try and get business? Why wouldn't I want to try and help him get business? So the whole thing of goals, the goal is not about the goal. The goal is about, that's where you're heading. I coached, I coached children in soccer from the age of 17 up until I was about, I think, 55 or so. I never, ever, ever had the goal of winning the competition. I had the goal of my children, whoever I was training, to be able to understand possession, to be able to understand position, to be able to understand how to score goals, to be able to understand how to defend. There's some extraordinary thing that occurred. Those years that they knew how to defend, they knew how to have possession, and they knew how to score, we won the competition. Because it's not about winning the competition. If you do all of those things, possession, position, and all of that, think about it. Unless you're a terrible kicker, whilst ever I've got possession, you can't score. So unless I'm kicking the goal for you, possession stops the opposition scoring and in habits and, and, and these sorts of things. Um, the thing I, I loved about what you're saying, Shane, about um, not seeing yourself as a smoker wanting to reduce it, but to see yourself as a non-smoker, I will slightly change your words and I would say I see myself as a non-smoker with some bad habits. Now I want to get rid of that habit, right? Um, but yes, you're hundred percent right. If you if you start from the position, please understand, and that's what you're doing. When you, when we start talking to people, the first person that hears it, good or bad, is us. And what your example, you start off by saying, "Hey, George, you're a smoker." Oh, that's a good place to start. <laughs> I've just reinforced it. Whereas if we take the approach, I am a non-smoker with a bad habit, you heard it before anybody else does. And I, and, I, and I think that's a wonderful thing for people to understand from what Cheyenne was saying. If, if you start off with, oh, 
I'm a person that sleeps in. I've got to try and improve on that. You're, every day you say that, you're reinforcing it. So, yeah, I hope that answers what you wanted to ask. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was just thinking of one of the examples from my life. When I came to Australia three years back, one of my main aims was to network with people in Australia as much as possible. And that was my primary goal when I landed in Australia. Um, but if I look at it in terms of the process, I took a lot of actions as well in terms of meeting new people through meetup groups, attending as many events as I can in the university. Um, and I kind of changed my identity. So I was never a person who even used to take a sip of alcohol before coming to Australia. Um, but when I came to Australia, I saw that it's very easy to have a conversation with Aussies over a beer. Then I thought, why not change, change my identity? So I thought of changing my identity. And many people thought that I'm very confident in talking to people in professional events. I can hold the beer and talk to people. But I was never that confident. Um, I just changed my way of, I, you know, people looking at me. I thought that if that's what is making the conversation more fruitful, why not just hold a glass of beer and have that conversation started to get the stuff done? So that was my goal. Um, you know, I wanted to network with people in a very meaningful manner. The actions that I took were to um, attend events, talk to people, change my identity in a way that is more acceptable in the new culture. Um, so that I'm not focusing on the outcomes and I focus on the identity. I'm sure, Shyan, you might be having a similar example when you came to Australia. Would you like to share any of that with us? Sure. Um, Saurabh, there is a saying, it's, uh, it says, culture eats strategy for lunch. And, uh, <laughs> you know, culture of an organization is sort of like a system. And its strategy defines the goals where you want to head. And that is what we, and, and especially George was talking about. And I can so much relate to it. I, I used to be a part of an organization where people were taught to be efficient. They were taught to be very out there and communicative, not only just inside their own teams, but also with other departments that, they, that were working. And in order to implement that, they used to have certain mechanisms where we had to sit with people, we had to talk to them. Um, and yeah, they were making it, making it happen. And so none of us had actually had to sit down and, and think what are the quarterly targets that we have to achieve in terms of our performance. We were just concentrating on really the day-to-day -day functions that we had to do. And we were doing it just as a part of system, like a well-oiled, greased machine. Um, and we were going on. And there was no pressure. I, I still remember that place. And I still visit my colleagues from that workplace. And so it, it was just effortless for us. We were concentrating on our day-to-day -day functions. We were performing just because the environment and the culture of the organization enabled us to do so. Uh, and, and they had given us the system in which to work. Um, so anyone who stepped into that particular organization got into that particular culture, got into that particular environment, and they became almost similar to other colleagues. And if they were coming from an organization that where they were not performing at a, at a at a certain level then we would uplift their level we would enable them to do that 
um, and and by the time we were leaving, um, like myself, all the other people, we had all the positive things to say about them. But then I got into an organization that was giving me targets which were unrealistic, and it was a sales role, and they were pushing me to do it, but they did not have the mechanisms, and I was failing miserably, and I started to question myself, why why is it that I was doing it effortlessly in one organization and now that i have transformed into another role i am finding it so difficult to achieve my targets here although these are very similar roles what, what i was doing here and there is is not very different and when i sat and thought it was only the systems that were different it was only the culture that was different they were enabling us, the previous organization was enabling us in terms of their environment and culture and the people, the support, everything. And here they were just concentrating on the goal that the, you have to hit these much sales by the end of the quarter or by the end of the year. And they were not really letting anyone think or reflect on what mistakes they are making, on, on what best practices are, how they can probably support each other in attaining their goals. And none of that was in consideration. So there was a drastic, drastic change in the culture. And it did not even take me like the first quarter to realize that, no, this is not the workplace that I want to be at. And so I had to quit. It's, um, it's very, very dangerous um, for organizations and or people to set the wrong objective. Um, about 40 years ago, I was in a company uh, and the general manager of that company did not like me at all. And that was fine because I didn't like him. Um, so we had a mutual disrespect. There was about, I think at that time, there would have been about 10 salespeople in the company. And this man knew that I was a very lazy person. This man knew that I was not a good person. This man knew that I was all things that were bad. So he introduced a scheme and we, we had a, a little scorecard and every sales rep was given this scorecard and for one month we had to fill in how many people we saw each day and, and it had about six or seven boxes in it. This is not a this is not a story. This is true story. So nobody was seeing these cards. Only the gentleman's name was Colin. Only Colin was getting the cards. Not even the bo the boss that owned the company was getting these cards. So we were sitting in the sales meeting. One we used to have a sales meeting every Friday. And Colin came in and said, oh, Jeff, that was the owner of the company, um, can I take a few minutes of the meeting, please? And Jeff said, yeah, sure, go. So Colin started and he had his piece of paper and he started to talk about the sales reps and talking about the salesman in descending order of who had done the most number of calls, because that's what it was about. How many calls did you do in a day? And it turned out that Colin was 100% right. I had done less calls than anybody else in the company. 
And he turned and he said to Jeff, so what do you think of that? I can't actually tell you what Jeff said because this is a public show. But he said to him words in great Australian language, you are a silly man and you don't have many brains. You have squandered my money. Now, a lot of the words he used were only four-letter words but conveyed that message. Colin was horrified and he said, you're always sticking up for George. And Jeff said to him, with a few more adjectives, if you'd come in five minutes earlier, I just complimented George. He has sold more than any two salespeople the last month. So he has sold more than any two salespeople. Do you really think I care how many people he sees? Now, the reason, the reason I'm bringing that up, what happened was, Everybody got carried away with seeing people. So I would rush in and say, hi, Sarab, you don't need anything today? Nope. Hi, Cheyenne, you don't need anything today? Nope. I, on the other hand, thought, oh, I'm actually paid to sell something. Why don't I stop and talk to you and sell? When we look at a habit, you've got to have the right reason to have that habit. I want more people to like me than hate me. So I have a habit of looking after charities. I have a habit of mentoring uni students. I have a habit of doing things that people like as opposed to dislike. So my systems, my behavior, my habits actually achieve a goal. There are a few people that don't like me. I promise you that. I know that. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But the day I die, I reckon there'll be far more people that like me than dislike me. I'll probably invite both to my funeral because they'll both have a good day. Well, I don't think so. You will have a lot of haters, George. Um, I don't know how you're coming up with that conclusion anyways. But... Um, since we're coming to an end to this podcast episode, I would love to conclude um, and give a chance both to Cheyenne and George as a tradition of this podcast to kind of sum it up as to whatever we have discussed. So any top two or three key takeaways that we can take away, uh, you know, we, we can have from this podcast episode, starting from you, Cheyenne, and then George. Yeah, so very quickly, some of the most important things that I got from this book, and they were quite counterintuitive um, and contrary to the belief, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, one was quantity over quality. So I used to think that if I concentrate on making the first draft perfect, then I'm just going to keep writing um, and thinking and writing and thinking. And that would take forever. And I was not able to produce much. Whereas this book um, uh, told me another technique. And when I put it to use, uh, it was really useful. And that was to first produce something, then iterate it, and then iterate it, and keep improving every single time. And, and you do it automatically. You don't even need to focus on that when you are iterating on certain things. They are being improved. So as I read more books, uh, for example, from uh, uh, 
Guy Kawasaki, he says that don't be afraid to put in something that is cringeworthy. And unless you're putting it forward something cringeworthy, your feedback is not going to be as useful and you have wasted your time. So I, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense, but it is also counterintuitive. Don't try to stoop to a level where you just sit down every time and, and stop yourself from producing anything. Produce something first and then seek improvement on it. Uh, so yes, quality, uh, quantity over quality. Um, the other thing is every single action that I take is a vote to myself and that feeds into the identity part that we were talking about earlier. So all of us see ourselves in a certain way. For example, George sees himself as a strong person who has developed the right habits from the very start. I see myself as a person who is constantly um, learning um, from the experiences, from the mistakes. Someone else can be can have a very different identity to us. Um, and these identities are because of certain things that we have done. George has been very deliberate about the things that he has developed as habits, and therefore he has this identity. I have made my fair share of mistakes, and therefore I have learned from them, and I have this identity that I have developed for myself. So every identity is a result of certain actions that have taken place, and therefore when we think about it, we can change this identity by changing the actions. I did not see myself as a runner before coming to Australia. But one day my neighbor, he was going for a run and he was like 70 years old. And it, I felt ashamed of the fact that he is running and I'm not. And I started going to the park and I started running with him. By the end of the third month, I was running seven kilometers with him. Um, and I transformed myself into an identity where I thought of myself as as someone who is good at running who is a runner so yeah i i think it's something that you can change about yourself by just transforming your action so these are some of the like the best takeaways for me i think um, if you transform your action you're going to transform your identity and therefore you're going to transform yourself and secondly quality over quantity um, you, you need to produce things and iterate to learn and become better at them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Cheyenne, for sharing those insights. Moving on to you, George. The second one is your hands can only create what your mind can see. I would never, ever be successful as a brain surgeon because I could never see myself doing it, so I never tried. But I have been very successful in business because I saw myself as being able to do it. And so I did it. Um, before I get to the last one, I just want to take up a point with you, Shahan. I'm not a strong person that started with great habits at the beginning. I just, I just found out about this stuff when I was 42. So the, as I said to you before, if you'd spoken to me earlier, um, I probably had numbers of <laughs> bad habits. Um, one of my early bad habits was I knew I could meet my budget in three days, so I never worked five days. And then that same man, Jeff Penny, um, came up with a strategy to encourage me to work five days to make more money, um, and that that changed that habit. But my original, my original first three years with Jeff, he knew I never worked more than three days a week because I could. What I did is I set myself a goal of of getting my budget. Plus 
And the first three years, he kept increasing my budget. I kept meeting my budget and only working three days a week. And I used to play snooker down at the local um, uh, club. And the fourth year, he just, he said, right, if you meet your budget, you will get paid this. If you go above your budget, you will get paid this. And if you go above that again, you will get a percentage of profits. He changed the habit. <laughs> so I promise you I have bad habits. I just overcame a lot of them earlier on. And the last one that I want to leave people with, which is something that I talk to any of my people that have addiction. Now, you don't have to have addictions to want to change your habits. They can just be habits that you've got that you want to improve on. If you have the courage to fail, you automatically gain the right to succeed. So if you have the courage to fail at trying to change a habit, you automatically gain the right to succeed in changing that habit. But if you don't have the courage to fail, you'll never attempt to succeed. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Thank you so much, George and Cheyenne, for coming today for this episode. And I think one of the key takeaways and the biggest line which Cheyenne started with is that if you can improve yourself by 1% every day, you will end up becoming 37 times better in the end of the year. And if you become 1% worse every day in a year, you kind of become close to zero. So I think that's the main line of this book. And very good takeaway that we can have and thank you so much again Cheyenne I really understand that you have taken out your precious time out of your uh, schedule for today um, and also thank you so much to George uh, for always being on time even before the guests our co-host is here so thank you so much for doing that thank you so much George it was lovely um, having this conversation with you and Saurabh thank you for always inviting me and uh, hosting me This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.